As we continue, I wanted to reread again just for us to reground in the text that Don read for us already this morning. Uh, so I invite you to listen again to these words from 2 Corinthians. As sure as God is faithful, I declare to you that my word to you is not yes one minute and no the next. Jesus Christ, whom Savinius, Timothy, and I preach to you as the only begotten of God, was not alternately yes and no. Jesus is never anything but yes. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Therefore, it is through Jesus that we address our amen to God when we worship together. God is the one who firmly established us along with Christ in you. It is God who anointed us and sealed us, putting the spirit in our hearts as our bond and guarantee. So again, Jesus is never anything but yes. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. So if you read through many of the books or any of the books of Christian theology, which is the study of theos God, they read like a litany of a God who is mostly for us. And much of the history of the church in the world reflects a church that relates to us as church people and to our neighbors and to the world in ways that are often crouched in a yes, but, or yes, yes, no, right? And so we've learned, many of us, to take parts of ourselves, to hide them away, to pretend that they don't exist. That yes, yes, we know grace is for everyone and God's love is for all of us, even me, except for that one part that we're just not gonna talk about, right? Or we do the classic scapegoating thing and be like, good thing God is for all of us except for those people, you know, except for the ladies, except for the gays and, you know, some of those other unmentionable sinners. Now, as a Christian and a believer in Jesus and the love of God in Christ, and myself a long time student of scripture and theology, in general, like being a human in human existence, I've often thought, and I can't help but notice, how much of our theology, our dominant ways of thinking about God and of ourselves, aren't necessarily rooted in the witness of texts like this one from Corinthians. It's not yes, no, right? It's not yes, but. It's not yes, maybe, or yes, yes, no. It's yes. Instead, I reflect a lot about how it seems that many of our theologies or way of thinking about God are shaped by the history of humans who've been trying to understand God in the midst of their own location, history, trauma, violences, family of origin, issues with their parents, these sorts of things, just like all of us. 
And yet, oftentimes, these perspectives, written by a select few people, get written as if they're the perspective. Well, everyone knows that everyone thinks this about God. And so if you're a person who's like, oh, I read that a little different, then what do you do with that, right? So some of us, if you grew up in church, you learn to silence those questions or those parts of yourself. Maybe you labeled them as the sinful bad parts or you're the doubting Thomas. And sometimes, I know when I preach or share my own insights, sometimes for some of you, they feel a little bit new and a little bit weird or radical. And that's because I'm speaking from my own experience too, right? Like I'm bearing witness to the good news as I've known it in my skin. It's just no shocker to anyone that my skin isn't the same skin that's been dominant speaking at microphones or in front of pulpits in the church for the majority of the history of church, right? I don't tell a lot of stories about football. I started a sermon once on Taylor Swift. <laughs> it wasn't about Taylor Swift, I just used Taylor Swift lyrics to talk about Jesus, right? That's to say, I think there is a beauty, right, in all of our unique individual voices bearing witness to here's how I have seen and experienced and know God in my own story. Here's what the yes has felt like in my own story. Here's how I've seen promise show up in my own story. Or if you're like, what is promise about? You're in good company with that too, right? But wanting to just say a name that so much of the history of where we've been taught or the dominant theology that says, oh, original sin is the most important doctrine. How many of you have ever heard of original sin? Or anybody grow up hearing some of that, right? But how many of you grew up and the dominant thing you learned at church was that you were made in the image of God? That that was the first thing you heard? Some of you. Not everyone, though, right? And so I just think about, and I want to just press into a little bit. We've been going through this sermon series saying uh, yes, right? How God says yes to us. God's word in Christ is always yes. God's promise to us is always yes. God's word to us as individuals is yes. God's word to humanity is yes. And our invitation is to say yes back to God and yes back to one another. And yet, so much of the theology and what's been dominant is about yes, no, yes, but, yes, uh, just make sure you're not exactly the way you are. And I just want us to pause and take seriously, is that the witness of scripture? Or is that, as I'm suggesting, part of the witness of a legacy of human people who had some issues that maybe they weren't really aware of? Take, for instance, Augustine. Uh, one of the early church fathers, super influential whether you know it or not, okay? Now, Augustine, he had had a long time uh, affair going with a woman. And as he came to faith, and the way he came to it, and the way he dealt with that relationship was through a lot of repression. And it shows up in his theology, in the way he talks about women, in the way he talks about spirituality, and it influences the fact that throughout the history of the church up until today, there is a dominant sense that sex of any form is kind of bad. And I'm like, do, do you think God didn't make us in bodies? Have you read Song of Solomon? I mean, come on, people, who decided this? Well, 
a person who had a really good reason from his own story where he was struggling, right? So I have a lot of grace for him. I'm like, hey, dude, I feel you. I got my stuff, right? Or you think about the legacy of Reformed theology, which one of its central tenets, as it's translated, I'll let our historical theologian Christian give you the real deal on how it's actually beautifully complex and wonderful. But I'm going with the like word on the street version of how this gets experienced, okay? So Reformed theology, which you see in a lot of traditions of Christianity, one of the core tenets is the sense that we are totally depraved. That within us, like, you can't trust yourself because that's the flesh, it's sinful, etc. And, and as I watch, and, and it's also really dogmatic, and it seems to have all the answers, and as I look at folks, including people in my own family, other academics I know, there are reasons from their own story why they're drawn to that theology. Because if I, if I grew up in a family where I was told all the time by my parents I was bad, it's going to feel normal to have God tell me that and reaffirm that same belief. And in fact, I'm probably not going to trust you if you tell me God really loves me. Because that doesn't feel comfortable. It's unnerving. It's unsettling. And so what I'm just saying with this is the reality that so much of our theology has been deeply shaped by the skin that we've lived in and by certain people's perspectives who've been telling us the story of who God is. Now, does this mean that for me, I'm like, okay, well, you know, when it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in Romans, because I heard a couple of you in your minds thinking that, does it mean I just throw that out? No, not to throw out the Bible, but to take it more seriously at its word. And where does the story start? The story starts in the garden with the God who has created humans in God's own image. God walked with the people. They were naked. They weren't ashamed. There wasn't fear. And we see then throughout scripture, as Christian alluded to, this God continues to promise and invite us and invite people to walk and come back to the way we were meant to live. So do I think that we are all broken and we sin? I mean, I'd have to live under a, a rock, for goodness sakes, if I didn't think human sin was possible, right? Anybody read the news? <laughs> right? Anybody spend Thanksgiving with some people they're related to? You know? <laughs> Just not, yeah, not your family. I get it. Um, no, you know, but what does it mean if we start the story instead of yes, yes, but, yes, maybe, yes, no, but just yes? How does that yes then invite us to keep experiencing and turning towards God love, God's love for greater healing in our own stories? For instance, I'll, make it, I'll break it down to be a little more personal here, okay? My whole life, I would affirm that God is love. And I believed that. And yet, if you looked at my own life, my own relationship choices, my way of relating to God, so much of it was a yes, yes, but. I was the classic female who liked the guy who treated her like crap <laughs> because part of me believed that there was parts of me that were unlovable. And even as I read the Bible and read about God's yes, there were parts of me that couldn't let myself really believe it. Because what if, what if, you, what if I actually found out 
that God also looked at me and said, Sarah, the reason why your family is the way it is actually is your fault. Like, I couldn't have dealt with that, right? It's like one thing if I preemptively beat you to like, it's the person who makes the joke about themselves before anyone else can make the joke sort of thing. And God's spirit with tenderness, I think, comes in and is like, sweetie, you don't have to make the jokes anymore, right? So God's word to us, as the scripture affirms, isn't yes and no, or yes, yes, but. But as we go back and relook at the witness of scripture, I invite you to see again, look for the yes. The ways in which God is continually saying yes to people bringing them out of slavery, inviting them to remember what it means to live as human people. Like when the Israelites forget God's yes and they start harming everyone in their area, God says, hey, your call is to care for the foreigner, the widow, the poor, the oppressed. Remember my yes. We see God's yes to us in Jesus and that continual ongoing call. This is when Christian names promise. To me, most fundamentally, what God's promises is that God is for us. God's promise is that God is for us. God's word in Jesus is always yes. This is true for us as individuals, and it's true of what God thinks of the world. In our table, we were talking both about how many of us have been tutored in this belief of original sin. That's the individual level, right? God's not really for you. And then sometimes in our world, how it looks like that kingdom that we talk about of God's peace and shalom, it ain't coming, right? And that the promise is that God is for all of us as humanity as well. God's yes to us in Jesus is always yes. That is God's word to us. So I don't know everyone's story in the room. I don't know what you've been told or what you believe about God exactly. But I would invite you to get curious anew as we head into Christmas about who this God in Jesus is. And if you notice that it's uncomfortable to even hear that God might be saying yes to you as you are, maybe get curious about what that might have to do with stuff that's not about God, but again, about the parents you grew up with, or the bullies that you knew when you were coming of age, or the folks who have broken promises with you as an adult. And maybe, just maybe, as we turn to the manger of the God who is embodied with us, we might anew be encountered by Jesus. And in that, might we hear and might you hear God's word to you, that God's word is not yes and no, but in Jesus it is always yes. And no matter how many promises that God has made, to you they are yes in Christ. So might we work our way into believing that yes. And then as we live into that yes, 
might we discover more of how we can say that yes to one another. That as Christians said, as we know ourselves seen by God, we can see one another.